Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by Diddy TV. Visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content or download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Hi folks, I'm Amy Wright, and today my guest is Easy Eye Sound recording artist and Bristol, England native Yola, a four-time Grammy nominee with so much spirit and so much determination that you're undoubtedly going to walk away from this conversation feeling inspired. I know I did. I'm so excited to take you behind the scenes to a very special place, Memphis Record Pressing Plant, where Yola was visiting to listen to her beautiful new record, Stand For Myself, on vinyl for the very first time. We had a blast catching up and talking about the new record and much more. So take a listen. This is me and Yola on the Diddy TV podcast. And I night you dream of hope. Yola, it's hey, been a while. It's been a while. It has, and we're we're talking to you at Memphis Record Pressing. This is an amazing day for you. It really is. It's kind of capping off an amazing year, I think, right? You wouldn't think that as we come out of the pandemic, you could say, you've had an amazing year because so few people have had like this truly, truly like lovely time, but I've had an absolute ball um, being able to make this record, um, having time to be like art director and like get some lovely concepts into the artwork. The artwork isn't just pretty, though it is, um, it means things as well. And so seeing everything today, um, seeing the record actually get pressed before my eyes. Yeah, that's pretty real. So it's Stand For Myself. Yes. So let's get the name of the album out there, it which is. is all important. And we actually went through the plant mm. and you saw the, the vinyl coming off. Literally hot off the press. Yes. And it was hot. And it was hot. <laughs> <laughs> and then we came in this beautiful room and we, we saw the cover yes. and uh, we got to listen to the soft, beautiful sounds of vinyl. Mm. It was really warm sounding. Yeah. And sparkling. Sparkling, yes. And defined, and there's so much air in it. It's the things that you can't get in digital because of the nature of compression. You get all of this air that is just so luxuriant. And the way that um, um, Dan um, produces is very much with layers. And you can so hear those layers, you know. So Stand For Myself, did you write all the music in the last year? No. So here's the deal. Let's go to the earliest of the songs, uh, Break the Bow. Um, uh, I was, I have never driven a car. I know that's hard to believe given that it looks like I was driving in right down the country. I've always been a biker. And so I get around the UK, not so much here, um, but in the UK, that's how I get around on a motorcycle. And uh, I was, uh, my mum passed in 2013. And I was running back home from the funeral and an idea, like a bass line started coming into my head. And I was like, this is a weird bass line to come into my head at this time. And I'm kind of like riding a motorcycle and crying and like, this is dangerous. This is so dangerous. Never go to a funeral on a motorcycle. It's a dreadful <laughs> idea. Like, and then like, FYI, don't do it kids. It's, it's bad call. So um, yeah, anyway, trying to like, Get, blink the tears out of my eyes so I don't crash into something. And uh, this bass line is still in my head. I'm like, it's a bit of a party bass line for a 
riding back from a funeral. Anyway, I get back home and like the first verse starts arriving. That's kind of how songs um, come to me. They arrive more than like I sweat over them. Like it's always like how I'm feeling and like the way when I'm having to focus on something else, that's when my brain does the sorting out. That song we played out in a number of guises and I brought that into the studio last year and I was like, this has got fire about it, I'll play it to you. So I just played it on the guitar in the key it was in at the time and like with the lyrics I had at the time, um, like I was like, it, the first half feels like it's there, like, you know, I think I really want to look at like, you know, working, tweaking and maybe adding a section that feels like it needs to go somewhere. And so that was like the earliest of the songs, but there are ones that were um, started in like 2017, 2018. And then in lockdown, in the quiet hours of the morning, like sat on my couch because I can't go anywhere. I can't see anyone. can't go to a writing session in a room. So yeah, like I had to kind of not only go into the back catalogue of stuff, but then generate a lot of ideas and then bring them into the room. And that's the antithesis of the first record, which every song, bar It Ain't Easier, which I wrote in its entirety. Like every other song was like written, you know, in the room at the time. Did you have co-writers for some of the songs? Yes, I did. And so that was the function of like, there were also songs, a decent number of songs um, that were written in the room as well. A lot at the fortunate hand of Natalie Hemby. Um, she's who, amazing. She's so good. And she'd like bring this seed that we could then be inspired by, um, which was, and so we'd just be bouncing off like ideas from her and... But a lot of it was isolated ideas that I'd have to bring into. If you want to get the record done on time, you know, like, you better get writing. <laughs> so, yeah, I would be, like, staying up late. And then I'd bring the ideas and go, hey, this is pretty much all the way there. Can we finish this? This is only halfway there. Can we get all the way? This is literally just one section. Can we f actually flesh it out into a song? And so every level of, like, you know, readiness was like brought to the table and we tracked a lot of songs I think probably 18 and then picked from those and I yeah. saw the amazing number of musicians yeah that were on every track yes that indeed. was pretty incredible as well yeah yeah we really were blessed some of the um, heavy hitters from the first record including my buddy over there uh, Ray Hasildo um and uh, yeah, but also some players that we didn't have on the first record. Um, Tom Bukovac was um, taking a more central role in, on acoustics and all sorts of other brands of guitar. Um, and Nick Movshin was playing bass all the way through in the way only he can, which is taking it for a walk in a very serious way. And, uh, <laughs> and we're blessed with the feel pocket combo that is um Aaron Fraser and yeah like it was when we were having the conversation about this record and starting it I was like there's no way we can't start this record situation without the engine room being like fitting the groove of some of these songs and so like we really had like a real chin stroke as to how best to kind of represent that because the ideas, like they were telling us what they wanted. 
You know, it was like they were born and they had an identity and they were like, you need to do right by me. And so it was like, that's, it's a wonderful thing to get from a song for it to tell you what it wants, you know. Well, I was struck by the vintage soul sound of the album with a more modern take on that, but yeah. but w with a real vintage sound and it just sort of brought me right back. Mm -hmm. And did you intend for that to be the case or did it just evolve that way? I think like a lot of my influences are pretty vintage and so <laughs> like it was not that surprising but also I'm a 90s kid um, born in the 80s but loads of my musical experiences like were in the 90s you know and so as you kind of get through the record you can start hearing things like oh maybe she was a fan of Aaliyah or Mary J Blige by the time we get halfway through or maybe she, like even on whatever you want you might go oh like that melody there's something about it that I can't quite place is that Brit pop yeah yeah you know and so like the 90s will make itself known as well as like my mother's record collection which is like the lion's share of like my musical awareness was like split between 90s radio and my mother's record collection. Stand For Myself, let's talk about that song specifically. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for you? What were you, what do you want people to take away from that song? The Stand For Myself as a song is like a conclusion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like it wraps up the whole album in a bow and that's why it's at the end, even though it's the title track. But because it really, like the whole journey from the first song, Barely Alive, which is, I'm really minimizing myself. I'm living this half life, trying to fit in, in predominantly white spaces, being a token black lady. And like feeling that every time I try and exact the reality of my life, that no one understands what the heck that is. And I just have to minimize it and minimize it and minimize it. And so I'm never able to self-actualize because I'm this minimized version. By the time I get over the arc to that last song, Stand For Myself, I'm doing what it says on the tin. I'm like, yeah, I've been through some changes. I've discovered this thing called having boundaries. And... <laughs> And I've reached out to people that sh are showing empathy for my, for who I am, my humanity. And I've had an epiphany of sorts. And that's what Stand For Myself is. It's that epiphany moment where you're like, do you know what? Like, I was burying my head in the sand thinking that I'll all be fine. And then, but I was living a half-life. And I know what it's like because it, sometimes it's easier to not challenge your paradigm of existence but if you do there's a lot of joy on the other side so like you've got to kind of go through that proof through fire if you will um and on the other side like real self-actualization real joy real nuance you don't have to just be this walking trope the the eternal strong black woman that never needs help so you can literally throw in a pit of fire and she'll just be like I'm fine <laughs> you can literally go there was a a meme <laughs> on Instagram of like a black lady's hand in the water and she's like I'm drowning and they're like you got it girl and they just high five <laughs> her drowning hand and it's just like that's the the paradigm of like the of the reality of neglect in the black lady life mm -hmm. is too profound and so and too present and too common. And so that's like, that's what the song is. It's like, I've realized um, 
that I'm not living this life anymore. I've made connections that are allowing me to live a more tender, loving life. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I am. And I feel actually alive for the first time. And is it a feeling of being yourself and having people accept you for exactly who you are without having to be somebody else? Exactly who they that. want you to be? All of those things, all of the above. Um, <laughs> yeah, not the minimizing, because you do. And uh, I remember us talking to a dear friend, a two dear friends of mine, um, drummer who you'll see playing here, um, uh, Meg Coleman and uh, Celise Henderson. We're out, what we say in the UK, we're out on the piss and, um, uh, and uh, getting drunk. And... Um, and I was like, oh, it's not like you've ever had a situation where someone's been threatened by your black lady powers and then you've had to minimise it. And she's there all like, no, it's not like that's our whole life or anything. It's just like, it's so common. <laughs> and it was the first time we were like meeting and hang- oh, I'd met Megan before, but like it was the first time me and Celise were meeting. We talked online all the time. And it was just like, it's life. It doesn't matter who you call. Like, <laughs> I'll go like every time. I just like I-, I love having this conversation because it's like still reaffirming for like what the record is and what it means. And like every time I talk to a black woman, they're like, "Yeah, I had to minimize myself because apparently I was threatening, but like, but not in a way that was like, you know, I was doing anything. It's just that I was being good at something, and that was not good for someone else. Like I was showing them up because." I was good at something, so I tried to be less good for a moment. And when you're a token, that can really, it can put Play pressure on you. On you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you've ever been at other anything, if you've ever been the only woman, if you've only been the only brown person, you've only been like the only trans person, the only person LGBTQIA plus in any of the situations, and you've been in a situation where you're like, I don't know if I can be me, mm-hmm. you know, you know what that is. Well, then you're just hiding yourself and that's a whole other yeah, place to be. It is. But it's also really easy mm-hmm. to fall into it because a lot of people have been another at some point. And so, yeah, it's it's really common. <laughs> and, and I think it's just something that we just need to talk about in a really basic way that, you know, the normalizing of certain types can be infuriating and damaging and you know, just to be encouraging in the pursuit of nuance and nuanced stories. And so everything I'm trying to put into the world right now is to rectify the imbalances that exist, some of which, you know, especially if you're a dark-skinned black woman, you'll go, I know a few, and I'd be like, don't worry, I got you. (laughs) I know the ones, yeah, those ones, yeah, those. I got them, don't worry. And like, (laughs) all of that. That's what it is, you know, like trying to not put anything toxic back into the ether again. You know? Well, and tonight you're going to be seeing, seeing these songs live in front of an Some audience. Some of the news. Some of them, yes. Some of them, yes. So is that going to be a powerful feeling? It is going to be really powerful. Um, obviously, being able to play with the band and to emote to actual humans. We, have, we haven't been doing that. No. Who knew that would be enjoyable? <laughs> well, and I, I have to say, so over the last year, when we've all been experiencing COVID and you were in the studio and you're making this incredible album that is coming out soon, mm-hmm. in another month or so, mm-hmm. and we're all going to get to enjoy that. Um, but you also were in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. I managed I to mean, lock, 
get locked in a room courtesy of like the Australian military. <laughs> so this is what you come off the airplane, you get dispensation from the government because the power of Baslam is untold clearly. And, um, <laughs> and you land and then a very friendly member of the Australian army goes, hi, how are you doing? Come along and go through this little way, sign all of this stuff and hand over all your paperwork that says you're allowed to be here so we don't literally turn you around and put you back on the aeroplane. And uh, then they get you onto buses and you go to a hotel and they take some more of your paperwork and you go up into your room and you don't leave that room for 14 days. Apart from to open the door, to get your food, and to bring it in. That was the quarantining part. Yeah. Before you could make the movie. Exactly. I gotcha. There. And it's Elvis. Yeah. It's, and it's uh, starring Tom Hanks is in it, I think. And, yes. And mm. Austin Butler is playing Elvis, mm -hmm. no less. Uh, Kelvin Harrison Jr. is playing B.B. King. And Alton Mason is playing Little Richard. And um, you are playing? Sister Rosetta Tharp. And so no pressure on that one. <laughs> Only the person that invented rock and roll and that inspired literally the rest of the people that I've just mentioned. And so <laughs> everyone was like, that, that, that thing that you're doing right there, that thing, we all want to do that. Should we make this a thing? How about that? And so because she was a lady of the church, she always gets pushed into the gospel realm, obviously. But like she invented rock and roll. And then everyone that was influenced by her was this thing, you know? And so it's like to play with that distorted guitar sound and to shred in that way, that's her. That's it. That's what it is. So my role was to manifest that. Here's the catch. I'd never soloed in my life. I'd... <laughs> so it's a little I, scary? Just a, just, 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 just a tiny bit? In a major yeah. movie? Yeah, yeah, no you know, no, nothing there. No, no pressure or anything, you know. Anyway, so um, again, another uh, benefit from the unfortunateness of COVID is that I had time to actually practice. And so I'm literally like playing the solos I've got to play in the movie over and over again for about a year. And then I've got to learn to play it whilst with my eyes closed because I'm not going to be able to look at my fingers a lot of the time because I'm going to have to be on camera, I'm going to have to be talking to another character, I'm going to have to be looking at the floor to hit my tape, to hit my marks, and, um, and to, to do the performance, to actually um, be in concert with her spirit in some way and try and get some of that across. And if I'm doing that, I can't be like this. So I'm practicing like this. So when did you get the call? Oh, that was like... Um, to to film or yes. to be in it? Yes. Oh goodness! Oh, it must have been. Oh goodness! It must have been like early fall or something. Ah, it must have been something. That had to like be a that. crazy moment. Yeah, it was a crazy moment because it was like a, the weather's gonna get really rubbish and I'm not gonna have to live through it. I'm gonna be in Australia <laughs> and it's gonna be in summer and I'm gonna eat Wagyu and oysters and drink champagne and be on a yacht. I did all of those things, thanks. And, uh, and I'm going to live my best life because we've been locked in a room. I'm going to live my best life. And also I'm going to work like an absolute dog doing a 15-hour shooting day. But, you know, I'm going to work hard, play hard. I'm going to get as much juice as I can out of the bonding experience of this cast who were just amazing. And, yeah, it was, it was a trip in all senses of the word. Well, it seems like 
everything is coming together for you, Yola, it really in a is. big way. It's, it's just an incredible album, and I know everyone's going to really enjoy it, but it's also all you and the, and the power of you. And then we're going to get to see you again in an in a incredible movie. So we wish you the best oh, with um, Stand For Myself and, uh, and can't wait to see you back in Memphis again soon. Yes. Well, thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Easy Eye Sound recording artist, Yola. Be sure to check out Yola's beautiful new album, Stand For Myself, available now on all major digital streaming platforms and at easyeyesound.com. And remember, you can visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content and download the official free Diddy TV app from your app store today. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.